0: retirement in this country is broken we work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences along the way there's got to be a better way david adams is a certified financial planner and cpa and founder of david adams wealth group an independent firm that offers securities through Raymond James Financial Services and is here to help you learn how to retire while you work and develop a different way of thinking when it comes to managing your money.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm your host, David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work. And you can hear us every Sunday on News Radio 1510 WLAC. So thanks for listening. You can also go to retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question. You can always call us at 615-435-3644. We'd love to hear from you. And today we have special guests in studio. We have Christy Boland, who is an expert in the health field. In our last segment, she's going to discuss healthy eating and dieting tips that play into that retire-while-you-work mindset. We want to find ways to stay young, enjoy life, and feel great. Welcome, Christy.
0: Thank you. Happy to be here.
1: Glad you're here. It's <laughs> National Margarita Day, right? Yes. You just tell us that?
0: Yes. A very important is day. It, is that healthy? I mean,
1: can it be? Is there in a moderation way to, in moderation? I like yes. it. Moderation. So, you heard that Christy Boland endorsed a margarita. <laughs> I a margarita. Just
0: skip the salt, it's healthy.
1: <laughs> skip the salt. Well, perfect. We're glad to have you here. Uh, we'll be talking with Christy about um, dieting tips and healthy eating in the last segment. And then we also have Siobhan Farler, who is our COO and partner at David Adams Wealth Group, to read your questions this week. Hello, Siobhan.
2: Hello, David and Christy. It's glad I'm glad to be back. <laughs> We're
1: glad you're here. Well, great. Well, today, Let's go ahead and get started. I'd love to talk about really the the four things that matter to investors regarding their portfolios. And before I tell you what those are, I'm just giving you a little teaser. There's four things. Let me frame this a little bit more using that retire while you work mindset. Now, what I mean by that is I've been doing this for around 15 years, and I watch people every day become a slave to their emotion when it comes to money. And is that a surprise to anyone? Siobhan, does that do we see that in our office?
2: Every day, the, my appointment right before this was talking about the exact same thing.
1: What do we always say about personal finance?
2: It's 80% personal and 20% finance.
1: So there's emotions, and it's not just fear, it's also, of course, greed. And after and during 2008 uh, with the recession, it was mainly fear, and before 2008, it really seemed to be a little bit of greed which is what got us into that mess, and just think about real estate. And we talked last week about real estate and the greed before the recession with our special guest, Chad Wallers, who's a real estate expert here in Nashville. But what's interesting now, and it's really the first time that I've seen it, at least in my career, is that I've noticed an equal amount of fear and greed when it comes to money and investors regarding their portfolios. And to me, that's pretty odd. I mean, sure, everyone you know, usually isn't feeling the same way, but it's really bizarre to have the same set of economic circumstances, and we meet with people each day here in Nashville or Vegas, Tennessee, as they call it, um, and we get polar opposite emotions, literally. Each meeting, I'm prepared to address, you know, the clients that may come in and say, hey, let's go all stocks, throttle, you know, throttle on, baby, Dow's going to hit 25,000, let's go, 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 and then we have the other extreme, clients that come in with their head down, you know, let's go all cash, Put it under the mattress. Trump is going to blow this economy up, and they're scared to death. And, of course, none of us know, Siobhan, you and I included. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen.
2: We don't right? know what's going to happen, and the interesting thing is we never know when the client comes in which dynamic they're going to be feeling, if it is fear or if it is greed.
1: So, basically, I'm Dr. Phil every week. I'm we just, do a lot. <laughs> a lot we of, do have
2: tissues in our conference room. we <laughs> yeah, that.
1: Um, but you know, I do know this you're live, living in this constant loop, this constant cycle of anxiety over your money, it's got to stop. I mean, there are too many other things out there to focus on. and I don't just mean anxiety. I mean things like your family. Now, I guess your family could, could cause anxiety I hope at not.
2: times. <laughs> hopefully
1: not. but you know your spiritual life, your health, travel, reading, all of those things. So my goal today is really to get really to give you just a little bit of a foundation. and for many of you, this may be just a review of basic investment principles 101 with the goal to help you have the tools and the confidence in your plan to talk yourself off the ledge when these ugly and crippling emotions find their way into your head. Fear and greed. Now, I wish my dad was here today in studio because I need him to, to acknowledge understanding to this as well, maybe even sign a form that he's not going to be the first person to text me at 6 a.m. <laughs> saying, Hey, dude, did you see what Trump did today? Or, hey, the market futures are down 400 points. What do we do? <laughs> Sorry, Dad. You know I love you. And I wouldn't trade those texts for anything because I'm blessed to have you in my life. And while you have taught me so many lessons, I know I've taught you this one before. And that's okay because Lord knows you were patient with me growing up. Siobhan, can you believe that I wasn't an easy child?
2: I find that very difficult to believe.
1: Good answer. answer. (laughs) Okay, I haven't even gotten to the four things yet that I promised you. Now, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, and we're talking about the four things when it comes to investors in their portfolios that are very important so here we go number one of four of some of the things that can matter when it comes to investors portfolios in the eyes of yours truly number one would be asset allocation yes it's fairly boring topic but it can work now what does this mean in basic kitchen talk
2: yes a lot of clients eyes glaze over when you use that term. allocation
1: textbook but it's really how much stocks to bonds to alternatives to cash that you should own basically having an agreed-upon mix with your financial advisor to make sure that you have some level of all of the different asset classes. And oh yeah, our producer, Jimmy Tidwell over there last week said, when I mentioned the word financial advisor, I need to give our contact information. <laughs> yes. I'm the worst salesperson <laughs> ever. So if you need a good financial advisor, you can find us at retirewhileyouwork.com or davidadamswealthgroup.com and call us at 615 435 3644 we're happy to help. how to do, did you, do, Siobhan?
2: You did sound? great. <laughs> okay. You did great.
1: All right, so back to asset allocation. So based on your risk tolerance, it really should be for each bucket of money. So decide how much of each asset class you would like. So here's an example. So if a client came into our office and said, okay, this money I may use in three or four years to build a house, but I probably won't use it for 10 years. Maybe, you know, Siobhan and I would, you know, look at that client and decide we choose a level five or six out of you know out of a 1 through 10 risk scale so level 5 or 5 or 6 to straddle the fence and what i mean by that is maybe having 50% stocks 40% in bonds and then let's say another 10% or so in other or what we call alternatives ooh what are
2: alternatives good
1: question real quickly when someone says alternatives that usually means all the little asset classes that that don't fit into that pretty little box known as stocks or bonds so basically think Real estate, commodities, gold, hedge funds, which are a bad word in financial planning, in my opinion. But those are all those other sections. Now, okay, for number two of the four things that can matter for investor portfolios, one being asset allocation, and two is Dremel diversification. Again, a boring topic, but very important. This basically means spreading between U.S. and international stocks, large, small, mid-cap companies, and then with fixed income, you have your government, bonds, high-yield bonds, corporate bonds, et cetera. Very important. Now, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we'll continue with the top four things that investors need to think about when it comes to managing their portfolio. So, you won't want to miss that. And then after that, we'll go ahead and take some of your questions throughout the week. This is Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Back in a few. Welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams. And before the break, we were talking about the four things that can matter with investors when it comes to their portfolios. And we started with, we number one was asset allocation. And we started talking about number two, which is diversification. And basically, diversification is making sure that you have a good mix between things like U.S. and international stocks and including large, small, and mid-cap companies. On the bond side, you want to make sure you have a healthy mix between Government bonds, high-yield bonds, corporate bonds, really just mixing up all the different asset classes, but specifically the holdings inside each asset class. So diversification basically means you can drill down even further to make sure that you own, let's say, 100 U.S. stocks instead of just one stock. It's what they refer to as not having all of your eggs in one basket, a very common phrase in our business and which I know this sounds a little cheesy, but it's dang true. And you really, I mean, really, this should be in our top things. We probably have five top things if you think about it. Yes. But I've always said this to clients: don't have all your eggs in one basket. But you, but you should have all of your chickens on the same farm.
2: I love that. I use that all the time. <laughs> well, good. That's one of my I mean, favorites. Meaning,
1: you don't get your diversification by having multiple advisors. Many people think that you do, but a good financial advisor will diversify you, and you don't want to have, in our opinion. Two to five advisors managing your money because the right arm is not talking to the left arm. And many times you end up not diversified as well because one advisor may have the same type of investments as the other advisor. Your, Your portfolio is overlapping. And this really can do more harm than good. But this could be an entire segment. So I'm going to digress there. But I feel very strong and passionate about that when people come to our office saying, I want to give, you know, five advisors a million dollars each and say, see who does the best. It just I don't think
2: work. we've ever seen that work successfully. Well, we just,
1: well, that's not the kind of business. We, I just, I tell people, it's probably not in your best interest. long
0: right.
2: term. Right.
1: Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And we were just going through two of the four things that investors need to really consider when investing or managing their portfolios. Number one was asset allocation. We talked about that. Two was diversification and three is rebalancing. So every so often it's it really means taking your account back to the original mix or even to a new mix based on your risk level or if your goals have changed, or per- perhaps your financial advisor um, had a change in the in the market outlook. Now, tons of studies would argue that if you know that you should rebalance annually. I've seen some that say, you know, only every few years, others that say monthly, and even there's systems that do it daily. And in my opinion, I know that's a lot of work. I know computers do a lot of this, but still, in my opinion, I strongly agree that annually is the right answer, um, as it's not too often to really stop a good trend. If there's a good trend in the market, a year typically gives it a good time to run. And it's often, you know, it's enough to make sure that you don't get too out of whack. So, you know, while every day and every month is probably overkill, I think once a year makes sense. So talk to your financial advisor about that. Here's an example. If you decide with your financial advisor that you want to, let's say, have your Roth IRA 80% stocks, 20% bonds, because, you know, you're not going to use it for 20 years. So it can be a little more uh, aggressive. And I would agree with that logic because the Roth is usually the last bucket of money or one of the last buckets of money that we use for spending. And let's say after a year, the market's run up and, you know, it's run up very big and bonds are down a little, stocks are up, and now you're sitting at 85-15, 85% stocks, 15% bonds. It could be a good idea to rebalance and go back to 80-20 and take some of the gains off the table in case a 2008 is just around the corner. That way you don't find yourself overexposed. So if you plan to be at 80% stock and now you're at 85% stock, it's a good idea to reset that because at some point there will be a bad year in the market. So there you go. Number four is staying in the market. We like to call that time in the market, not timing the market. Big difference.
2: Big difference. So many
1: people think they're... That financial advisor's jobs are to, you know, time the market. And we explain it's having a good plan and and your time in the market. Staying invested. So think about 2008. Let's say you had gotten out of the market in March of 2009, right at the bottom. I think the Dow was around 6,600 or so. Um, I think, Siobhan, that's about when you started, we started working together.
2: Yep, 2009. Ah, Turbulent
1: times. Wow. Look at where we've come. The market was down, I think, around 50% from top to bottom so, if your one million dollars, for example, fell to five hundred thousand dollars on paper, and let's say you decided to cash it out out of fear, and you put it at the bank to get a measly two percent, if you're lucky, and you know the ending to that story, that five hundred thousand now might only be worth five hundred and fifty thousand or so. Meanwhile, the Dow is above twenty thousand, and your account could have been worth a million and a half bucks. That what a mil- miss! A million dollar mistake.
2: Yeah, what a missed opportunity. Out but- of fear
1: and greed, and I understand why somebody would make. That mistake, and they would feel that way, and and you know at that point a lot of people thought that the Dow's at sixty six hundred, it was at fourteen thousand, fell to sixty six hundred, and all the articles were saying it's going to two thousand, right? But it's our job to say that's why you have cash, that's why you build a plan so that you don't have to pull the rip cord. Big mistakes, and you know again, what's worse is that those that pulled out of the market at the bottom, they missed the ride up. Now a lot of times they've been found to to hate the market. And they may forever avoid it at all cost, and further hurt their retirement and their growth needs. And they've been burnt. Right. And maybe even a past past this experience to their kids and grandkids. And I've seen this with a lot of older clients um, who remember growing up as part of the Great Depression. And often they're scarred from, you know, from that experience or from their parents' experience in the Great Depression. And they think about money totally different. And how could we blame them, right? They so,
2: had money underneath the mattresses. They or, do. Mm-hmm. They do.
1: The stock market represents, you know, fear. And, you know, all we want at the end of the day is to see our clients and you, the listeners, to do better than this. Everyone thinks it's about choosing the hot sector. And that may work for some, um, for sure. There are people that, you know, have success at that. But over time, I've tried and I've watched it over and over. It most likely doesn't work. So getting these four things right is what gives you the best chance at long-term success And then, yes, returns follow typically. So diversification, asset allocation, rebalancing, and staying in the market are the basic principles that, yes, they still can work. And if you don't get anything else from me on the show, and I guess that would be very sad, but if this is all you ever get, (laughs) then please understand this and come see us if we can help. Check your current portfolio to see if it checks all these boxes. All righty, good stuff. So, Siobhan, each week we like to take questions from our listeners. And remember, you can submit yours at retirewhileyouwork.com or calling us at the office any one of my team members would be happy to to help 615-435 3644 Siobhan, do we have any questions this week?
2: We do. And this question actually came in after our show last week when we were talking with Chad about real estate. Okay. So the question is I have a ton of real estate, probably around $3 million or so invested in real estate. Good problem to have. Wonderful problem to have. And I have around 200000 in investments, which is also a great problem. Uh, but this particular listener loves real estate and wants to put more in the stock market but always seems to find better opportunities and greater returns with real estate rental properties, especially in Nashville's booming market. So why should they seem to be putting more in the stock market, or should they just leave their 200000 What should they do?
1: Okay. Now, we had a question like this a few shows ago. It was just some different numbers. It's all about the balance sheet and the ratios, and I'll explain that in a second. This is a great question. Now, I always like to see a healthy mix between real estate investments. Now, and that would not, let me say this, that would not count your primary residence. Have you? That is your home. That's not an investment. Sure, you want it to go up over time and pay it off.
2: But you and, have to have a place to live. Right.
1: You have, have, have to have a place to live. So counting on your primary residence to be your income source in retirement, I believe, is a mistake. Um, and so you want to have a, a good mix between real estate and then more liquid investments, like your investments in your portfolio. Now, when I say liquid... What I mean by that is you can push a button and sell everything in one day, and you know exactly how much you're going to get based on the stock market closing value that day. So there's no surprises. Now, however, real estate, on the other hand, is often illiquid, meaning that you're not going to be able to sell it in a day. I mean, maybe in Nashville, oh, right well. right? But you know what I mean. We don't know the price. We have zero guarantees, whereas with your portfolio— You're only going to get
2: whatever someone's willing to offer. Right,
1: and it may take six months, and you don't want to sell it on a fire sale and, and, and give your house up. So right. think of this example. What if you decided today that you were going to have an absolute auction on your home? So you, you felt like you had to sell it today. So you're going to take the highest bidder. And you told me, you know, David, it's worth $500,000. And that's the fair market value. Uh, that's the fair market value based on the comps. However, if I'm the only one that shows up that day and I only offer you, let's say, $100,000, then guess what?
2: It's only worth 100000 Your
1: house that day is worth $100,000. me you're going to tell me to beat it and get lost, but still, that's what I mean by illiquid. So I'm not beating up real estate. I love real estate. In fact, many times it can be better than the stock market. But this is very, very important when looking at a well-diversified plan. Now, we're going to go to a break and I'll continue uh have a few more thoughts on that question and we'll take several more questions. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm David Adams on News Radio 1510 WLAC back in a few minutes. Hello, and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And just before the break, we were answering some of your questions throughout the week. And I was uh, about halfway through answering a question, so I'm going to jump back into this one. The question from a listener was, they had around $3 million in real estate and about $200,000 in investments. And they really love real estate, but they want to put more money in the stock market. But they always seem to enjoy and find better opportunities and returns. With rental properties. So, their question was basically, are they doing something wrong here? And is, is there a better way to look at this? And so, you know, my point, or the way I answer this question is you definitely want to have a good mix between liquid investments, things that you can sell uh, pretty easily, like your investment portfolio, and then a good mix uh, with real estate. And remember, real estate is typically illiquid. You can't sell it you know, in, in a day typically, and so it's something that you want to make sure that you're never caught where you're forced to sell a piece of real estate at a bad time in the market. Now, I'm never going to beat up on real estate. Again, I was saying before the break how much I like real estate. I have some VRBOs and some commercial property, but I balance it out with my investment portfolio, almost a one-to-one mix. That's my personal philosophy. So, for I example—
2: you know what scares me about what she was saying was that the two hundred thousand versus the three million, is kind of the the out of balance.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. That exactly. So, um, you know. So here's an example, Siobhan. If I put fifty thousand dollars down on a property, an investment property that's worth three hundred thousand, uh, probably you know sixty thousand. You at least want to put twenty percent down. I'm probably going to also put that same amount into uh, my investments at Raymond James. And if I want to put down three hundred thousand dollars on a property that's maybe a million dollar property, I want to make sure that I also have that amount liquid to put in my investment. So that makes I'm, total sense. Balancing it out. So um you know, I prefer to always have enough investments to be able to pay off all the debt I have on real estate or at least half of what I owe. So that there's a if there's a two thousand and eight and the market drops twenty or thirty percent, I'm never forced to sell or foreclose or anything, any of those right. horror stories that I know we saw in two thousand and eight. So I like to say the goal is to never get caught swimming naked when the tide rolls in. <laughs> oh
2: no, you like that we're all full of analogies <laughs> today chickens and eggs and I'm farms and being one naked those... when the tide rolls in
1: <laughs> one of the, one of those days. So to answer this listener specific question, yes, I think two hundred thousand dollars is far too low compared to the three million dollars of real estate you have. Now, if it's all paid off, if all three thousand or all three million dollars of that real estate is paid off and you owe nothing, first of all, congratulations. And then I would say I think it's okay. But more than likely, you know, let's say you owe $2 million on the $3 million of property. I want you to have at least a $1 million in investments to balance you out. There's no right or wrong or magic recipe here. You know, 10 different financial advisors could have 10 different opinions, but I strongly um, believe in this balance on the balance sheet. So great question. Thanks for reading that, Siobhan. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work, and we're taking your questions throughout the week, and we'd love to hear yours. So please submit it to retirewhileyouwork.com and click the Contact Us button in the top right-hand corner. Siobhan, do we have another question?
2: We do. This one actually came from a client this past week, and she has Crohn's disease at 45 years old, which okay. is just awful. Um, and she asks us, what do I do with my money? There's so many things I want to do while I'm healthy enough to be able to do them, whereas when I get older with this disease, I'm not going to be able to do the things I want to do. So how should I balance what I want to do now and right. money lasting from age 45 until later? Well,
1: that's a that's a... A great question. It's why we do this show. Retire while you work. I'd say you live, right? Right. You can't take it with you. This is the this is the backbone and the philosophy of the show, and it's really the passion behind behind why we do this show. So I would tell her, you know, you travel, you save some, you maybe you quit your job or you slow down or you change your mindset to again, I'm retired while I work. Take that mindset. So do the things you enjoy, but still be a good steward of money. Um, you know, you do want to save some because you know. We none of us know how many days we have.
2: No, none of us.
1: So um, it's a good balance. So I would say, you know, I'm convicted that our industry really has it wrong, and we put way too much focus on saving every penny, and for what, right? You know, so we can be 65 and have lived a boring life, and nobody wants that. um, You know, not even hit, let's say one, but maybe one of our 50 bucket list items. Right? That's not it. That's not a way of living. So Mm -hmm. it's like Tim McGraw sings. Live like we're dying.
2: Isn't that right? <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. <laughs>
1: not that you're dying, but remember, we're all dying. It's a fact. Facts are death and taxes. I oh. You know that. Yes. For sure. We all yeah. have to look forward to those things. And so those are facts of life, so you can't take it with you. So let's not be scared of that, but let's embrace it. And I actually remember this meeting, Siobhan. I remember her coming in, and I believe we told her to really think about what she wants to do, you know, whether she had one year left to live or 20 more, but come back to us, Breathe a little bit, take your time, come back to us with your findings, and let's build a plan. So kind of lay out what are the things you want to accomplish. And we explained to her that life is all about trade-offs. You know, you could have a million dollars in investments and do nothing from, you know, age 45 to 65, or you could travel and have fun and enjoy life. And maybe you have three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, and that's still okay.
2: That is okay. So, Absolutely. Good
1: question. Thank you for that, Siobhan. If you're just tuning in, we're taking your questions. Throughout the week, please send us your question to retirewhileyouwork.com or call us at 615-435-3644. And I have Siobhan from my office reading questions, and we've taken two questions. Do so we have a third?
2: We do have a third. Uh, this one was a client that called in, and it's a great question because it hits all different topics that we've already previously kind of discussed a little bit. She has about $2 million in investments. She owes 80000 on her house. And she just got her final de- uh, deferred compensation check, net of taxes, for seventy-five thousand dollars. Got it. So her question is, does she pay off the house seventy-five to eight? You know, seventy-five thousand she owes eighty. Okay. Or should she invest it in the two million? Where is she going to get the best bang for her buck with, by using that seventy-five thousand dollars? she you
1: tell us what her interest rate was on her mortgage?
2: I think it was around three percent or so. I, that's okay. what I believe. Okay. Yeah. Good.
1: I remember this meeting. We decided uh, paying off the house because she is so close. So remember, it's not always about the numbers. It's back to what we said earlier: personal finance is eighty percent personal, twenty percent finance. Meaning, it's so much about the emotions. And so, you know, and she struggled, you know, asking me how much would we would we make her in her portfolio versus her three percent loan. And the reality is, I don't know. I mean, over time, yes, of course, there's a good chance that her investments could do a lot better than the three percent. But what if a 2008 happens? Ooh. I don't want her to resent me or us or her decision because none of us can control the market. Um, and, you know, my father and my, my mother, they always paid cash and lived beneath their means. They kind of followed the Dave Ramsey strategy. And that meant a lot to me growing up. And so I get that. It's, it's, you know, it's about balance always. And you never go wrong ever, ever, ever paying debt off. And, you know, it's ideal to have a nice balance of investments and cash. And if you owe in real estate, you know, make sure that you're easily able to afford the mortgage. So I think that's very, very important. So great question. Hopefully that answers that. Um, You're listening to Retire While You Work, and we're taking your questions. And Siobhan, do we have another question?
2: Yes. This question actually piques my interest because I love talking about this sort of stuff. The oh question is, with a debt of almost twenty trillion.
1: Oh, the U.S. debt question. There we go. <laughs> We're in debt. I'm ready.
2: All right, how are we going to be able to keep up with Social Security? I'm sixty, and I'm afraid it won't be there. What do you think? You know, I love talking about Social Security. Well, this so. goes
1: back to this goes back to again the fear. There's fear all in you know yep. in this question. You know that it's going away. There's a big assumption made there. Um, you know, I, 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 social security, in my opinion, you know, nobody knows. I would say with ninety nine percent conviction, social security is going to be there. It's, and it's political suicide for anybody to touch social security. Look at George W. Bush. I mean, he had, he tried to do it. He talked about it, and it was, everybody got upset with him. And then the the two thousand and eight recession hit. So can you imagine whether it was a good idea or not? Um, if he had privatized it, and the stock market had fallen by thirty or forty percent, oh my goodness, people would have freaked
2: out yes
1: so i just it's not that it's right or wrong it's just it's politicians aren't going to touch taking social security away now think of how many potential solutions there are before this happens i mean look at our generation i mean um all three of us christy you're included we're all you know and we're under 40 okay and you know the reality is, is you know, I, I believe at 67 is our age when we can start taking Social Security. So why not make it 72? We don't care. I mean, right, Siobhan? Yeah, did, did it wouldn't you have care? an impact.
2: And yeah. you can change it even for my children. Yeah. You know, they're three and eight. You could change theirs to 75. Right.
1: And that would actually help. That would bump it out, you know, X amount of years. But no one will touch that. And there are so many things that can make it last longer. You could means test it. You could raise taxes, so many other things before the government's going to go and take it away. So, um, the last thing is, those are not going to, those that are not going to be affected are the ones that are over fifty. So, I would not worry about this. Go enjoy other things. Enjoy your family. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host David Adams on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And when we come back from the break, we have a special guest, Christy Boland, to talk about healthy eating and healthy living. You won't want to miss this. Back in a few. Hello. welcome back to Retire While You Work. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And before the break, we were answering a few of our listeners' top questions through the week. And be sure to send us your question. We'd love to answer it and get you involved. You can go to com or call us at 615-435-3644. Now, every week in this last segment. We like to discuss something that we hope can better help you get into the retire while you work mindset. Maybe take a little something off your plate or just give you some helpful information and advice so that you can enjoy life and make the most of your time. So speaking of that, today we're going to talk about healthy living and who better to discuss that with than... Our friend and health expert Christy Bolan. Christy, hello. Thank
0: you hello. Glad Thanks you're for here. Having me. Thanks for the cookies. They're oh, delicious. So. She brought us some healthy cookies. Who knew? <laughs> what, what are in these cookies again? Almond butter, dark chocolate, some natural sweetener, egg, and baking soda, and that's it. Wow, so I know you didn't they bring the really healthy good.
1: margaritas from Margarita no, day, did you? Oh, I
0: should have. Gosh, okay. I don't know what I was thinking.
1: <laughs> the skinny margaritas, isn't that what the they call them? Skinny called? margaritas.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Well, Christy, hey, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you start? Tell us and tell our listeners what you do and your philosophy.
0: Right, so I am a registered dietitian nutritionist, and I'm board certified in sports dietetics as well as adult weight management. Okay. I have a concierge type practice in town where I go to my client's home or office. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I offer personalized nutrition consults, pantry cleanouts, grocery shopping tours. Pantry wow. cleanouts. Yes. Wow. So <laughs> Those are just, really fun. Yes. Well, they like watch throwing you, do, stuff. you
1: just throwing cookies <laughs> yeah. out and processed foods. Oh, God. <laughs> Slam dunk bears in its our cookies.
0: pantry. Is that okay? Purging.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Okay.
0: Yes. And my philosophy is pretty much you know, what Hippocrates said was to let thy food be thy medicine. Right. So oh, I like that. Yeah. So however I do though believe in the my eighty twenty rule. So okay. we have an 80-20 rule That's also. Great. Um so eighty percent of the time you eat clean. Right. So basically, what the food that God put on the earth for right. us right. to have. Makes sense. And then 20% of the time, I realize that people live, and sometimes you just want a double cheeseburger for dinner. And that's <laughs> so if okay, too. are listening,
1: that's not 80% cheeseburger, right. no. 20%. 20% percent cheeseburger. And I like that you said 80-20, because most 80/20. people, what I've found, just being on this side of the mic, is you, know, you hear... I've been to these nutrition classes, and you mm-hmm. get all excited, like, okay, I'm going to eat perfect. And the reality is you get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. People get busy. But that 80-20 allows people to say, hey, my friends are going out for pizza tonight. It's okay. Right. But maybe tomorrow I'm going to have a salad.
0: Right. And a lot, I know a lot of people that are 90-10, but that's – no. I do eighty yeah. <laughs> twenty. I think twenty. Well, if is the important.
2: health expert does eighty twenty, then I think that's pretty. Yes, right, I can good, do that. <laughs> yes.
0: Let's
1: focus on the twenty. Just kidding. So speaking of the eighty, no, no. Tell us what is wrong with the average American diet. I know there's a lot wrong. But like right. you know, from an expert, tell
0: us. I think um, convenience is a big thing for Americans, right? So, that, we're so busy. right, so that leads to. Over-consuming the overly processed and refined foods. So those foods typically contain refined flour, sugars, chemicals, and additives that are really hard to pronounce. So that's not a good sign. Um, can't and those, say it, you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So um, those ingredients are also extremely inflammatory. So that means that can lead to inflammation, which inflammation causes all disease.
1: So tell me. So that's interesting. I was just at this kind of little retreat this weekend it was a wellness Mm -hmm. retreat so this is i'm glad we're having you today and one of the courses was um the anti-inflammatory kitchen and i was like taking some notes i was like well chrissy's gonna be on the show this is gonna be great so so tell what is that what exactly does that mean
0: so basically um the anti-inflammatory diet is really similar to the mediterranean diet so it's all lean proteins limiting red meat um, so chicken and fish, uh-huh, chicken, fish, even pork tenderloin, gotcha. uh, and lean meats fine on occasion. Sure, but um, healthy fats, olive oil. Nuts and seeds, gotcha. beans. My legumes. mom is on the Mediterranean diet. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: olive oil being good. Olive oil
0: being great. Nut. Okay, great. Yeah, grains. So quinoa, brown rice. You know, not Chris, not not Crisco. Not Crisco. <laughs> not Crisco. <laughs> no. Um, but okay. yeah, so it's just basically you know that type legumes. Yeah, that's really big in the in the Mediterranean diet. So.
1: Okay. So but, we're all we're all busy. We make you know we make quick decisions, which yeah. are. You know, McDonald's, fast food, um, processed foods from the grocery. I get Right,
0: that. right. Um,
1: well, you know, I, I get this question a lot just because this is something I've become interesting, interested in. Um, you know, what are your favorite documentaries or magazine publications or books for people to mm-hmm. watch and read to educate themselves? I've seen a couple, maybe yeah. Food, Inc. and some other ones, and they're fascinating. Um, wh- what would you suggest?
0: I was going to suggest Food, Inc. I love okay. Food, Inc. just because it's great to know where your food comes from. That's great. Um, yes, yes. Very eye opening. Right. And, and a little scary um, magazines too really stick out to me. And that's clean eating and eating well. Um, they're great just because they have a lot of great recipes. And even clean eating has a really good um, meal plan laid out in every issue, which is really helpful. Different calorie levels, which is nice. And um, but also they have a lot of great educational material, too. OK, good um, books. Yeah. I love Michael Pollan. In his book, Food Rules, which is basically a list of just simple rules to help you make healthier choices. Right. So, one of them is about, you know, if you can't pronounce it, don't, don't eat. Have it. you read the
1: book? Right. I read a book recently called Eat to Live. Yes. Is that is that, do you like that book? I
0: do love that book. Yes. Kind of the same thing. Kind it's of the like same the, thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: The, eat, eat, the way God put it in the Yeah. Earth. Just That's simple, okay.
0: simple, lay it out simply. Yeah. And then going along with that, the anti inflammatory eating made easy. By my fellow registered dietitian, Michelle Babb, which makes anti-inflammatory eating understandable and easy to follow. So that's good.
1: So great. Great. That gives the listeners some things that they can research. Now, what are five things that we can do to clean up our diets that are, you know, because it's easy to get overwhelmed. um, So help us keep it simple and doable. What are five things we can do?
0: Yeah. I think, first of all, it's good to get rid of soda, if you drink it, regular or diet. Um, Regular sodas load you up with refined sugar and diet drinks are extremely inflammatory, actually like tops the chart on the inflammatory side. And can increase your cravings for sweets as well, and other drinks loaded with sugar too, like coffee drinks,
1: sweet um, tea for me, sweet tea. I'm six weeks um, off of sweet tea, wow. and I'm finally getting past the jitters. So well, that's good. <laughs> <The> sugar, <laughs> that's hard. Sugar is real – I mean, it is very addictive. Right?
0: It is. Yeah, and some people are just don't want to let go of their diet soda, but I have yep. to like pry it away from them. As yeah.
2: you're looking at me with mine hidden beneath the uh, table oh, over I'm here. here. <laughs> today? So. Hey,
1: we're all we're all in the trust tree. It's okay. Nobody's right. right. judging.
2: It's okay. Everybody's <laughs> no judging, judging. here. No Judging. That's your
0: 20%. That okay. is, that is. I have okay. about one a day. So. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so next I would say just to try to increase your fruit and vegetable intake. And right. those are not only packed with a ton of nutrients, but they are also anti-inflammatory okay. and they help to prevent diseases like heart disease and cancer. Um, third, try to limit packaged food as much as you can. Makes but sense. if you do buy something packaged, try to once again, pronounce all the ingredients. Okay. Because if you can't, once again, it could be an inflammatory additive or so chemical. So
1: like when I was reading one of these books, like marinara sauce, if you go to, you know, your grocery store, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, look for the no salt added or low salt. And a lot of times that's not, it's not that bad for
0: you. Is that right? Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. And if you can pronounce all the ingredients on there, you're good to go. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, fourth, I see this a lot. People don't do this. I think eating consistently every three to four hours, this just prevents overeating later in the day. So Makes, when people yeah. want a nighttime binge, this can help prevent that. And it also keeps your metabolism burning the way that it should and your blood sugar stable as what's well.
1: is hard with our – you talked about convenience and how busy most Americans yeah. are. It's easy to wake up, have a banana at 6 o'clock, and then you're eating – you know, it's 7 o'clock at night and you're sitting down to eat and then you're just ravenous.
0: Exactly. So. Exactly. So that's a big thing, too. I, what I tell my clients are just easy things that you can pack with you, like gotcha. some almonds or bar yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, and finally, I think a big one, which is hard to do, is to try to greatly reduce or eliminate. If you can, process white flour. Okay. Oh, that is tough. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So processed flour and grains can impact your blood sugar, insulin levels. And once again, my inflammation talk, an inf- increased inflammation, which can lead to other issues down the road. Also, they've been linked to a lot of fat accumulation around the middle. Makes too. sense. Well, mm-hmm.
1: speaking of processed foods and gluten and sugar, it seems like it seems like what we've really found out is that these are the issues with health. It's not fat, it's not carbs. What we were you know, I was back in college, a diet I remember working at all the time, and my diet was a diet coke, bakelays, and a Subway sandwich.
2: A Subway diet. But
1: but it, no but um, that's but nobody was talking about but, yeah. gluten or the refined right. sugar as much. It was you know how many calories and all that. So is that kind of mm-hmm. what we have found out?
0: Right. So basically, the inflammatory foods are we've been talking about, right? Those are the things that we need to stay away from. And inflammation in the body can manifest itself in many different ways in certain people. So some people get joint pain when they eat inflammatory foods. Some people might get an upset stomach or bloated stomach. Um, which I see a lot with gluten. Yep. Some people um, have that extra weight they can't seem to lose. Some people even break out in rashes, and that's how they exhibit wow. inflammation.
1: Well, not that it's the same, but even with my um, my lab, Bailey, she used to get these rashes on her stomach. And then you know she was on a normal food or whatever, mm-hmm. but I, they ended up putting her on a holistic, like, limited ingredient, no grain. And, mm-hmm. and she had taken steroids about once a year to, you know, to get it to clear up, and it would work. Here we are did that for three months. She never had it again. Oh, so there's proof right there,
0: yeah, so she was eating something that was inflammatory was in too, fl- yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, Aww. so basically, it sounds like, and here's what I'm hearing from you is that all these fad diets are wrong. and, um, you know, what I've learned on my own journey is it's this simple. It's eat food the way God put it in the earth, raw and cooked vegetables, fruits, nuts, and eat if you want to eat meat, you probably don't necessarily need to, but if you enjoy it, eat it, maybe limit how many mm-hmm. servings a week and limit the the red meat. Is that kind of right? Is that what you would advise Yeah, us?
0: definitely. And, you know, when people throw out the word diet, I don't even like the word diet, honestly. Right. Um, it's just a healthy lifestyle change. So you just want to—it's a way of life. Um, and it's like you said, it's stick to what God put on the earth, but right. also that 80-20 rule. And 20% of the time, it's okay to cheat. Because we're all human, like we said, we go to social events. We we travel, and there are options there that sure. we can't right. Like we know. were talking about
2: before the show, sometimes right. you're not in control over what the food that's being offered mm-hmm. to you.
0: Exactly. Well, like my
1: parents, I know I've I've talked to them about you know eating healthy and like well you know why do we want to start now? We're enjoying our food, we're enjoying life. Yeah. So I think I approached it the wrong way. It's probably more helping them implement some healthy replacements. So I got them to, yes. for example, swap out the milk with the almond milk. Good. Start making smoothies. Putting a little bit of spinach and kale at first, it Great. was probably mostly all fruit. Now it's, you know, so just those small things. And that's not yeah. overwhelming. I mean, right. I saw it with my parents and I'm sure you see it with clients.
0: Mm, oh, yeah. I always say baby steps. You know, if a client comes in and, and I get that look like they are just really overwhelmed, I'm like, OK, we're just going to take baby steps. It's OK. Right. We'll do three baby steps this time, three baby steps next time. And yep. yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I've left this saying, I'm not going to drink soda, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to eat sugar, I'm going to do all these things, and it lasts two or three weeks. Right. But when I've done the two-degree rule, change one thing, do it for a few months, it's a lot easier. Yes, yes. Got It's it. all about slow change. So it's just – is. Doing these things it's just how we get this culture off of the meds.
0: Yeah, and I also think that education is really important, like even to the MDs that are prescribing the medication to the patients. If they know that they have registered dietitians that they can that are available and they can refer to to try a lifestyle change first and maybe to trainers. What a great and, idea. Yeah, so just to try that first, because I have seen that. I've seen people, once they initiate exercise and diet... That everything normalizes. Awesome.
1: So, yeah, well, that's great information. So, got, got a few seconds uh, left here. Any last thoughts? Quick thoughts for our listeners that they can you want to leave them with?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I would just say um, don't get overwhelmed. If you're looking to make a lifestyle change, do not get overwhelmed. Like we said, it's all about making small changes. Don't think you can do everything at once, right. and and take your time. Awesome. How can our listeners reach you? You've been awesome. Well, great. Um, they can reach me at 615-307-6701. That's my office phone. Or they can reach me at Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-I, at Prime.co. Awesome.
1: Christy, you've been awesome. We're going to have you back. I have so many more awesome. questions for you. Great. And thank you for tuning in with us today. As always, you've been listening to Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC you need to reach us during the week, give us a call. 615-435-3644. Submit your question to retirewhileyouwork.com. Or heck, come by and see our team at the office in the historic 12 South neighborhood. We'd love to see you. I'm David Adams. And remember that life is short and there are many, many more important things to worry about than money. We certainly hope that this show helps. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week.